Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And back for his weekly visit, our NFL and fantasy football expert, Andy Rio, who's covered fantasy for nearly 20 years. And Merry Christmas, Andy. I, I guess we can thank Santa for bringing us an exciting overtime game against the Chiefs. I'm interested, uh, though, in more your objective view on what Levy Smith's done the last couple of weeks is the fact that he's being competitive against good teams like the Cowboys and the Chiefs late in a season where this team could have easily, you know, let go of the rope. Does that help his case to get another year with the Texans? Well, maybe slightly. Uh, I mean, it's certainly been impressive that they've been so competitive the past couple of weeks. But on the other hand, they still just have one win. And while I'm sure management didn't think they were going to win the Super Bowl this year, I'm sure they wish that total was probably in the four to five to six range uh, than the one win range. So uh, I, I personally still think they need to make a change. If they're going to be drafting a quarterback first overall, I think you need to start fresh with a new coach for that new quarterback. Yeah, I know a lot of Texans uh, media and other people have sort of postulated that's probably the right move with a new quarterback coming in. Most likely, we're not sure yet, but I would guess that's going to be the case. How do you feel? I'm actually wondering how you feel about Chris Moore, wide receiver who has had a couple of really good weeks. The, how do you feel about him, the fantasy player and the actual player? Because he's got 14 passes for 166 yards the last two weeks against, as we said, two good teams, the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Well, as long as Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins are out, uh, Chris Moore definitely has a pathway to fantasy viability. Uh, he's getting the requisite number of targets that you want to see. Obviously, they're not the best targets because they're coming from Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll and everything. But uh, volume is often king in fantasy football. Tennessee tends to be more of a pass funnel defense. Uh, I worry about the Texans getting a lot of opportunities this week because they'll probably get steamrolled by Derrick Henry, as they almost always do. Uh, but right now, uh, if you're looking for the safest Texans player to play in fantasy, it is Chris Moore. Is Jeff Driscoll actually listed as a tight end in some fantasy leagues? In some sites, yes. Jeff Driscoll is actually listed as a tight end, much like uh, Taysom Hill of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, unfortunately for this week, uh, those trying that strategy of streaming Driscoll, the position, it fell flat. Uh, hopefully you were using Taysom Hill because he threw a long touchdown pass in the New Orleans victory over Atlanta. But yeah, I, ha I have to wonder if they're going to stick with this two quarterback strategy, uh, given that it really didn't work all that well against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, and again, time of possessions could be lacking for the Texans this week. So uh, I would probably stay away from Driscoll and of course stay away from Davis Mills at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this Texans Titan game appears to be a lot more interesting the way the Texans have played the last couple of weeks. And with the Titans struggles, you know, maybe. This is going to be a really good game. How are you looking at it in reality and then from a fantasy perspective? Well, uh, from a real perspective, I mean, given what we've seen the past few weeks, maybe the Texans have a shot at pulling off the upset. But until they prove they can actually keep track of Derrick Henry in a game, uh, I tend to lead towards the Titans winning this one. Tennessee is going to close with Dallas and Jacksonville. Uh, the Jacksonville game could very well decide the AFC South at this point. So they absolutely have to have this game against the Texans. And I think they will get back on track uh, from a fantasy perspective. We've already heard my thoughts on Derrick Henry. The big question for the Tennessee passing game is will Traylon Burks 
uh, play this week. He's uh, missed time with a concussion. He has obviously uh, got the most upside of any of their wide receivers. So if he goes, he's certainly worth a look against the Texans. Uh, they've been getting some good play from Chig Okonkwo, a young tight end and everything. Uh, he's been scoring of late, so he's obviously worth an option here at this point at fantasy football's uh, thinnest position. As far as the Texans go, uh, the running game got more cluttered with Royce Freeman entering the mix, but uh, kind of this is the case, I think, when you have three running backs and Freeman, Agumbawale, and Burkett, uh, you really don't have any running backs at this point. I really wouldn't roll the dice on any Texans player uh, outside of Chris Moore. No question about that. Well, let's uh, check out the big storylines around the rest of the NFL. But first, just a quick reminder to subscribe, comment, and like us on YouTube. It's the best way to support the show. Make sure to catch our live Texans-Titans postgame show on Saturday. And tomorrow, my co-host Sean Bajani and I will welcome in a Texans linebacker, teasing you a little bit there. You'll want to hear that conversation. Watch it on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast app to all of our content, really. Uh, Andy, let's get to the marquee matchups. There's a big one for a Texan rival in the AFC South. The Jags come up with a huge win over the Cowboys. They're just one game back of the Titans now, and they're at the Jets Thursday with, I'm guessing, Zach Wilson still at quarterback, right? Yes, uh, Mike White has been ruled out, so Zach Wilson will be back at the helm for the Jets. He played somewhat better against Detroit, uh, but at this point, it's clear to see that White is the best option for the Jets at quarterback, so it's a loss. Uh, Wilson might be able to put up some numbers given that Jacksonville has hardly been a shutdown defense at this point, so you can continue using uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, Jets running back situation is worth watching uh, since Bam Knight had an off day against Detroit. Detroit's run defense has been a lot better of late, so... Uh, he may be a little bit more viable against Jacksonville. He also left the Detroit game with an injury, so monitor his status. If he's good to go, he could be worth using as a flex. If not, Michael Carter could be worth using as a flex. As far as uh, Jacksonville goes, I mean, this is a pretty tough matchup for them. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence has been playing so well that uh, you can justify keeping him in your lineup as well. Travis Etienne's been on a little bit of a cold spell of late, but he's always a threat to break a long one. So I think you can keep him going. And depending on your roster, certainly you can look at uh, keeping Christian Kirk in your lineup. And Zay Jones has been red hot. He had three touchdowns in the win over Dallas. So this is an important game in the playoff race. The Jags obviously trying to keep their hopes alive of winning the AFC South. And the Jets are now a game off the wild card pace, so they desperately need a win uh, to keep in that race, especially given that they're going to be playing Miami again before the season's over. They're a game behind the Dolphins right now and did beat them earlier in the season. So uh, this is actually an oddly compelling game. Most people looked at this before the season started and thought this is going to be an awful Thursday night game. It may not be the greatest game of all time, uh, but there is some relevancy to it. The Eagles are at the Cowboys. This changes dramatically on Jalen Hurts' status, which doesn't look good as you and I speak on Tuesday night. But Andy, maybe Garrett Minshew has a historic performance in honor of his old friend Mike Leach, maybe. I don't know. Well, the thing about Minshew is, is they're obviously going to lose the, the run aspect that they have at quarterback. I mean, he can move around, but... He's not in Jalen Hurts' league. However, he's always seemed relatively competent when given a shot. Uh, Philadelphia is going to be getting Dallas Goddard back this week. Uh, they're tight in. So uh, certainly Minshew can make some things work with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. 
and Goddard. Uh, Miles Sanders will be looking to rebound. He definitely had an off day against Chicago uh, last week. Uh, Minshew will keep everything afloat for Philadelphia. I, I mean, if you're going to be without Kurtz this week and there's not a lot on the waiver wire, uh, Minshew is worth a look. Uh, I don't expect him to have a gigantic day because Dallas, of course, for the most part, has a pretty good defense, even though they got picked apart by Lawrence uh, last weekend in Jacksonville. But I think the Cowboys are going to look to rebound in this one. Uh, probably going to be a decent day for most of their offensive components. Uh, Philadelphia is certainly tough uh, defensively, but uh, they can be a little vulnerable against the run. So it might lean more towards a Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, uh, heyday of a game than a Dak Prescott or a C.D. Lamb one, but I certainly uh, wouldn't hesitate to play Lamb or Prescott or Dalton Schultz because uh, even without Hurts, it could still turn out to be a bit of a high-scoring game too. The Vikings are coming off a miracle comeback against the Colts last Saturday. They host the Giants. Andy, it's always tough to get up after you have one of those emotional wins like they had, and the Giants are fighting for their playoff life. Yeah, and the Giants actually had a little bit of an upper of a win against uh, Washington in their own right because they had been struggling. They had just gotten walloped by Philadelphia, and although they're still fighting for a playoff spot, they're now in better shape than a lot of the other wildcard contenders in the AFC outside of the Cowboys who have already clinched and are probably more likely to go as the wild card than the NFC East winners. So I don't know. This could be a little bit of a trap game for Minnesota. Uh, as you mentioned, I mean, when you pull off that kind of comeback, uh, it is hard to, no pun intended, come back from that. And, and the Giants have enough going for them to make this game interesting. I mean, they certainly uh, got Saquon go Barkley going against Washington, and they could do it again against the Vikings. I mean, it would not surprise me if New York managed to pull off the upset. But then again, maybe Minnesota is really emboldened by the criticism they got from the first half of that game, and they're going to come out and make a statement. I think this is a pretty interesting game. Yeah, I heard a lot of people after that Minnesota Vikings game say, well, that erases the Houston Oilers and the Buffalo Bills. But I'm like, hey, I know it's 33 and 32 points, and you could play that game. But let me just remind everybody, the Oilers lost in the playoffs, and they lost against a backup quarterback. And ironically enough, the backup quarterback that they lost against was Frank Reich, Andy, the guy that Jeff Saturday, uh, who kind of bumbled his way at the end of that game, that's the guy he replaced, which is uh, I just I just thought the whole thing was kind of a weird sort of twist and turn of that whole game. Well, and don't forget, too, that uh, Buffalo didn't have Thurman Thomas in that game as well. So it was definitely a, a downer of the day for Oiler fans, for sure. Uh, yeah, getting back to the Vikings, I mean, they're, uh, I mean, obviously their top fantasy performer is Justin Jefferson, but they got a great game from KJ Osborne this week. Uh, he's certainly capable of decent games if, if the game script uh, calls for it, but I might be a little hesitant uh, to expect another repeat performance from him, but I think we could see another nice game uh, from Dalvin Cook and, of course, Jefferson always seems to get his numbers. All right, let's get to the next one. The Bengals are at the Patriots. New England has to bounce back after the Vegas vomit. I mean, I don't know if that's uh, been trademarked yet, but the Vegas vomit seems like it's perfect because uh, they threw it away, literally. Uh, they they, they upchucked the game at the end. Is the Patriots season just about over after that one? I mean, their schedule is, is tough, too, here at the end. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that was a, a more winnable game, I think, than this one's going to be. And, I, you know, my I just I've watched that play so many times, as I think most of us have. It's still just amazing. Uh, the 40th time you watch it is the first time you've watched it. I mean, it could have all been avoided if they just threw a Hail Mary. And I know technically you can have you could technically have some crazy interception on a Hail Mary, a crazy run back, but you can also get defensive pass interference or something and then have the opportunity to kick a winning field goal. Uh, you know, they could have thrown the Hail Mary. They could have just taken a knee. Stevenson could have just gone down. I mean, there's any number of things that could have happened that would have prevented that and just sent the game into overtime. And given that the Raiders haven't exactly been clutch this year I, I would have been pretty optimistic if i was the patriots going to overtime but yeah i i mean outside of ramondre stevenson there's not really a lot to get excited about with this new england offense right now both in reality and fantasy it has been a major regression for mac jones this year after most people actually thought he was the top quarterback in last year's class after last season but he has been far surpassed obviously by justin fields and trevor lawrence and you know, there's enough going on here to question his future in New England. Of course, maybe things would get back on track if, if New England had a different offensive coordinator than Matt Patricia. But anyways, yeah, I think Cincinnati uh, will obviously uh, keep their hot streak going. I mean, they're still trying to hold off, uh, I mean, Baltimore, excuse me, in the north. And, uh, yeah, it should be another good day for their usual suspects, Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Mixon, they may get Hayden Hurst back at tight end. Uh, he's not Travis Kelsey, uh, but certainly if you've got a bind at that position, which even in the playoffs is not that far-fetched, he could be a, a fill-in if he comes back. I want to go back to that Vegas play for just a bit. And you said the Hail Mary, and that's my exact point. I mean, Belichick, yeah, he's a genius, but he wasn't very much a genius on that because, look, if you throw the Hail Mary – uh, you avoid the fact that the running back could fumble. I mean, what was the point of that? Because if, if he runs, it, he's got to get all the way for the touchdown and a lot more can happen in those next you know, few yards that are going to happen on a Hail Mary because if, if, if the Hail Mary, if it gets intercepted, they've got to go back 100 yards. If he fumbles anywhere along the way, it's a shorter distance that you have to go in a play like that. So, and, and the other part about it that, you know, they were like, oh, Belichick is, should be mad at him trying to do that. Well, wouldn't the last instruction that you give to your players is don't try anything weird? It's a tie game. If you screw it up, we lose the game. I mean, that's what he should have been the last instruction that he gave to his offense before they walked out trying to do something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your worst case is you're going for overtime. But, uh, you know, this is uh, even a genius can occasionally have a bad moment. I mean, remember the play, too, against Miami where they had Gronk in playing defense and Gronk may very well be the greatest tight end of all time, but uh, he wasn't going to catch Kenyon Drake in the open field on that Miami miracle play. So even Belichick has a few moments of oddities, but this was an all time oddity. Uh, I just, I mean, it's still, uh, this play is going to be talked about forever. Yeah. And the funniest thing about the whole deal was it was Chandler Jones that he threw the ball to. And yeah. A former Patriot. No less. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, the chiefs are uh, hosting the Seahawks and Andy, the chiefs are not exactly blowing teams away this year, but this is a home game for them. And their only home loss is that bills game a couple of months ago. This seems like the chiefs would have it, but I don't know. It feels like it's going to be a close game. 
Well, Seattle has certainly uh, been respectable throughout the season, but they've been fading of late, uh, and they will not have Tyler Lockett this week. So that's a big loss. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, certainly somebody you could look at as an acquisition to help fill the void. Uh, but I expect we're going to see a lot funneled to DK Metcalf in this one. And, of course, they'll try to get Kenneth Walker uh, going on the ground to keep Mahomes and company off the field as much as possible. Uh, for the Chiefs, I mean, the story uh, obviously usually is Mahomes and Kelsey, but uh, Jarek McKinnon, as we saw against the Texans, has been on an absolute heater of late, even outscoring heralded rookie Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, they also had Juju Smith-Schuster uh, produce a nice showing against the Texans as well. So I, I kind of expect a business-as-usual performance from the Chiefs. Maybe they don't slaughter the Seahawks, but I think it's going to be a comfortable win for them. Okay, the Dolphins, they are a playoff bubble team as we speak, and they're hosting the Packers, who are alive, Andy, but they're on life support right now. Well, Green Bay's basically got to win out to have any chance at it. Uh, Miami is not quite at that spot yet, uh, but a loss, and it would certainly make things dicey for the Dolphins. Uh, this is something I want to remind all fantasy owners of real quick. This particular game is on Sunday, as most NFL games normally are. But because Sunday is Christmas, uh, a lot of games are going to be played on Saturday this week. So make sure of that. Make sure that you have your lineups pretty much mostly ready to go by Saturday at noon. Treat it like a Sunday at noon. And then we have three Christmas games, which this is probably the best of the lot, uh, you know, with the Dolphins and Packers, because the others are Broncos, Rams and Buccaneers, Cardinals. So uh, Green Bay uh, getting away from the snow and cold and heading down to tropical Miami. Uh, you know, the Packer wide receivers, the youngsters, Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Dobbs came back from an injury last week, and they both played well. Uh, A.J. Dillon has been going again of late. Aaron Jones has remained solid. So uh, will Green Bay have to put up some points this week against two and company? They may very well. So this could be a fairly entertaining game uh, given the circumstances. Uh, Dolphins may get Jeff Wilson Jr. back at running back this week, which would obviously curb the appeal of Raheem Mostert. Uh, but you could look at those two guys as flexes, just given the fact that Green Bay's run defense has not been very solid this year. Uh, obviously, you want to have, uh, you know, Tua, Tyreek, and Jalen Waddle out there. And I think certainly you want Christian Watson, Aaron Jones for Green Bay. Maybe Rodgers, maybe A.J. Dillon just will depend on your circumstances. But uh, this could be a very interesting game. It's either the end of the road for the Packers or they keep it going. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one for them to keep it going in, but uh, can't rule it out at this point. The Commanders are trying to hold on to a seventh seed, this new playoff format obviously making it very interesting all through these lines. I mean, this stuff, you know, you, you wouldn't have seen this maybe in years past, and it's never easy uh, when you face the Niners and the always dangerous Brock Purdy? Or how do I say it? Always dangerous <laughs> Brock Purdy. <laughs> well, Brock Purdy has been very solid of late. Uh, and, you know, Washington has to travel all the way out to the Bay Area after a bad week. Uh, you know, there was obviously some calls that uh, some have questions late, late in the loss to the Giants and everything. And just San Francisco has been playing so good defensively. I, 
I would probably, outside of Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin, stay completely clear of Washington this week. And maybe in some circumstances you could sit those guys because I just don't see uh, Taylor Heineke and company being able to do much offensively against San Francisco with the tear they've been on. Uh, as far as the Niners go, yeah, I mean, uh, Purdy is out there in some league. That's another guy you could conceivably look at as a Jalen Hurts replacement if needed. Uh, Washington generally has a pretty good defense, uh, but I still think he can get some numbers. Certainly Christian McCaffrey and uh, you know Brandon Ayuk uh, ought to do fairly well, although Ayuk's been a little bit of a slump of late. Uh, George Kittle obviously was the man for San Francisco last week, certainly capable of doing it again. But as we've seen with the 49ers, they kind of have a little bit of a merry-go-round. So uh, it might be a little bit less, should probably be less for Kittle this week, given how dynamic he was last week. Maybe some of that goes to IU. Remind everybody what the significance is of the Steelers and Raiders game this week. It's not a good game, but it's significant, right? Yeah, I mean, both those teams are in that category of still mathematically alive for the playoffs, but I think both are long shots. And the loser of this game obviously is done. But yes, 50 years ago, uh, the most famous play in football history when Terry Bradshaw heaved the ball downfield for Frenchie Fuqua and the ball either went off Frenchie Fuqua or John Tatum of the Raiders and landed with Franco Harris, who raced into the end zone uh, to win it for Pittsburgh. Uh, certainly, uh, the play has been dissected. Uh, you know, time and time again through the years, uh, but just obviously one of the most amazing plays in history. And I think it's great that they're going to uh, have the 50th anniversary of it noted uh, with the Steelers hosting the Raiders, albeit in Las Vegas now, as opposed to Oakland. Uh, but yeah, a lot of great history uh, going into that game. Uh, when you go to Pittsburgh, uh, there's a statue of Franco Harris making that catch at the airport. So that tells you right there how significant it is to the Steel City. Would you say that's the real official beginning of that Steeler dynasty in the 70s, that particular game? Well, absolutely, because, you know, a lot of people in this modern era obviously would consider the Steelers to be uh, one of the greatest franchises, which is completely true. But before 1972, I don't think they'd ever qualified for the playoffs at all. And if they did, it was in the real olden times. But yeah, I mean, they, they made the playoff game against Oakland. Uh, the late, great Kenny Stabler actually ran for a touchdown, a 30-yard touchdown late in the game, which gave Oakland the lead. And that's why Pittsburgh was in such dire straits. And, uh, you know, yeah, they, they didn't go on uh, to win the Super Bowl in 72 because that was a year, of course, of the perfect Miami Dolphins. And the next year, the Raiders did get revenge against them in Oakland in 73. But, you know, that's two straight playoff appearances for a team that had never had that before. And then they, of course, go and win the Super Bowl in 75, or 74 and 75, make the playoffs again in 76 and 77, and then win it again in 78 and 79. So, yeah, it's safe to say that uh, the Immaculate Reception really launched that famous Pittsburgh dynasty of the 70s. That's former Houston Oiler, Kenny Stabler, that was all a part of that. That's true, yes. And the Immaculate Reception, hey, that's got to be one of the all-time great nicknames for any play in sports history. Andy, listen to this. Sharon Lebowski was with her boyfriend, Michael Ord, at that game. Sharon had her 
head in her hands during the actual play, which I assume a lot of Steelers fans were pretty much thinking, this is it. That's the end of it. And then later that night, Michael, the boyfriend, climbed on a table at a bar and said, from this day forward, December 23rd, will forever be known as the Feast of the Immaculate Reception. So Sharon calls Pittsburgh sportscaster Myron Cope and suggests he use it for his 11 p.m. sportscast. The rest, as they say, is history. And Andy, even though Sharon and Michael never married, they produced one of the most famous babies in NFL history, so to speak. <laughs> yes, they sure did. And, and Myron Cope obviously was royalty in Pittsburgh. So uh, once he said it, it was set. All right, Andy. Well, again, I uh, want to wish you a happy holidays. If you want to ask Andy questions, fantasy or otherwise NFL related, it's at Andy Rio, R-I-O-U-X. If you're on Twitter, you see his handle on the bottom of the screen. But uh, it's always a blast, Andy. Look forward to doing this again next week. And by that point, I'm sure I'll have a mountain full of socks and underwear under, under my Christmas tree. So that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy holidays again. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.